0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Equal Time Soccer Podcast. Uh, this this episode. We're talking to MLS female reporter uh, Bridget McDowell. MLS female is a site that has uh, women covering teams across Major League Soccer, and so we wanted to talk to Bridget about um, what it's like to work for a site that kind of elevates female voices in in the game and how she got involved. Um, She has a lot of great insights on being kind of a first-time reporter and what it's like to adjust to uh, those stressful kind of locker room and post-game press situations, and also what it's like kind of working into the – the game as a new reporter. So great conversations with her. Um, we wanted to thank our uh, some patrons who have not been thanked on the podcast or video just yet. Thanks to our five dollars supporters: uh, Chris Wilcox, uh, David Zeller, Kevin Powers, Josh Forsyth, uh, Bernard Kewin, uh Charles Burgess, and Bryn Sias. And then we have a couple of new ten dollars supporters. Uh, some with recognizable last names, Samantha Povatsky and Scott Pravratsky, my sister and uh, dad, and then uh, Jeremy Olson, who's just a fantastic photographer, and we use his we use his uh, photos on the site. He does a lot of work for Fifty Five One and others. Um, he's just a fantastic photographer. Uh, he's his handle on Twitter is Digital Gopher. You should definitely check him out and um, and check out his work. He just does amazing work, and he provides his photos to us uh, just out of his love of the game. Um, so thanks so much, Jeremy. You do just great stuff uh for for the gophers and for soccer overall um so thanks so much everyone for tuning in and uh a heads up that uh, bridget and i recorded this in a coffee shop in my neighborhood at groundswell so there's plenty of ambient noise we'll we'll check that up to having a very real world uh conversation in a busy noisy spot but i apologize for that hopefully it's not too bad thanks so much Okay, Bridget, you write for MLS Female, yes. which is a cool site that writes about the MLS, Major yep. League Soccer, and exactly. they have beat writers for every team, so you started this year as Minnesota United's Correct. team, and I told you I wanted to have you on the podcast, because I like the idea of writing about kind of undercover teams, but I also really like the idea of kind of different angles of coverage yeah. about teams that get mainstream coverage like Minnesota United, so how did you kind of get into this, and how did you end up writing for... Like that site specifically, how did that come about?
1: Um, Well, I've always been a a fan of soccer, especially through um, watching supporters and the fan angle. Um, Started writing last year with the days I know about supporters culture. And then in the fall, there was a tweet going around, hey, we're still looking for writers for Minnesota United on MLS FEMA And I thought, why not look into it? And now I've been covering... Minnesota United for him yeah. this season.
0: I noticed right away reading your coverage
1: because uh, my stuff about the
0: Gophers is kind of in a fairly casual tone, yeah. like just in an easygoing. Like I don't, I'm not trying to like play the part of like reporter because yes. I'm not really trained as well. And I noticed immediately when I read some of your stuff that you have a pretty casual tone too. Yep. Is that is that kind of intentional to help people more easily like come to the? Like come to your coverage, or is it also just kind of your natural voice? Is it it's, kind of both?
1: It's both, yeah. Um, we we call ourselves like the official reporter of the team um, for MLS Female, but at the same time we consider ourselves fan reporters because we all came to it being fans of our respective teams first, uh, and we're not. We don't want to put out just yet another analysis article of every single game. You know, we try to find some some odd little narratives or just a more casual look at it from our perspective as fans yeah. rather than just the beat reporter going to a game right. and like here's who played here's their stats
0: because United has those like there's, yes. yeah, there's, there's like plenty standard, of those there's like, up there there's like news, there's newspaper reporters yep. there's other people who kind of blog for different websites and so that's why yeah I like that I, and even some of the things that MLS Female does that seem kind of cool that are more interactive like the having having fans post pictures. It's yes. kind of like a dual benefit of, like, yep. it gets you guys pictures you could use, exactly. which is, like, a real struggle for anyone <laughs> it who's trying to, like, start a it blog is. or write Getting good pictures is, like, the biggest yes. challenge. But it's also kind of a cool way for fans to interact, too. Like, they yes. maybe feel part of it, or maybe yep. it makes them
1: want to, like, take pictures. Yeah. It kind of it makes us feel a little bit more approach, approachable by the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, they can come to us, and I'll put out on Twitter, hey, I'm looking for stories Um, you know if you have anything interesting to share about this team or memories you know things like that I will try to incorporate those because it's it's our perspective it's not just analysis from the press box so Mm -hmm. we want to be the kind of approachable where your voice rather than Mm -hmm. just analyzing the team yeah
0: well and for anyone who has gone like gone to a soccer game or read soccer content online it wouldn't be a shock that most of the, or a big chunk of, like, soccer fans are what I would describe as, like, soccer dude bros. Like, (laughs) white dudes in their 20s and 30s, slash maybe early 40s. Maybe someone who looks and talks and seems like me, uh, who's kind (laughs) of just, like, dime a dozen white dudes, like, around. And so, for you writing for MLS Female, is there... Is there some interaction with kind of the other other writers for other teams? Is there some element of kind of, like, camaraderie in the fact that you guys Definitely. are doing something different? And, yep. you're, like, you're, you're intentionally bringing yes. kind of different coverage to the team?
1: Yeah. I mean, we we have a Slack channel for it. And we have a specific channel just for, here's what's going on, like, in our press box or, you know. <laughs> like, uh, basically horror um, stories, these are pretty stories. much, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, or, you know, guys commenting on, you know, recently we've had a couple teams where the fans were commenting to the female reporter, like, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you're you just coming in here and writing about this team. We all know more than you. And just being, in general, jerks. Yeah. But it's, for the most part, it's been really positive. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, we're constantly talking every day before games, after games, you know, here's here's what i found helpful in this position. Here, you know, right. The things that we've run into like that. So. Right.
0: Well, and Meg Ryan, who works for the Search of has had like a few weeks in a row where she'll just, I think, I think, female reporters are maybe to all reporters especially at a higher profile you know she writes for the Star Tribune but right. they, they all do with a certain amount of just like kind of like idiots on Twitter yes. and the past couple of weeks she started just going at them yep. which I was maybe my favorite thing of all time she started just like quote tweeting every time yes. an idiot tweets at her and she'll just like take them down <laughs> one by one and it takes an incredible amount of emotional energy I'm it sure it does but she, oh, yeah. but she just started doing that and I love I love seeing that, because I think what you were talking about, like, sharing those stories with other people, sometimes the only way to, like, get rid of an issue is to, like, air it out, like, to show people, like, this is happening, like, we had to, you know, someone was, like, bugging us on Twitter, or or a player was shooting us, so sometimes airing it out is, like, the only way to get more eyeballs on it, (laughs) and to put more pressure on, like, hey, let's cut this crap out. But I think in... in, when like when you're up in the press box, what's that like? What's that environment like for people who haven't kind of like officially covered a team, especially for United, where the stadium's pretty full. Like there's a decent amount right. of press. What's that like for you? Like the first few times you went up there? Because for a normal person, they probably have no idea it's, like what being in a press it, box is like.
1: Right. It's it's almost that imposter syndrome thing. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going up there surrounded by Meg Ryan, Jeff Ruder. Like it's you know. I, try to let everyone know that i'm doing something a little bit different here so this isn't i'm not just coming up here to you know another analysis another like i'll purposely not read any of their articles before i write mine so that i don't get myself into that mindset try to go right off of you know how i was feeling what i was thinking at game time Um, so i'll set myself up kind of apart from them a little bit just so that i can focus on you know my angle of the game right. but at the same time you know it's a great way to meet people i've mm-hmm. i've interacted with a lot of these people on twitter beforehand yeah. you know last couple seasons anyway so mm-hmm. um, but it's there's a good sense of camaraderie in the united press box fortunately and you know everyone's friendly and supportive of each person um, just like with you know meg dealing with those <laughs> twitter that was ridiculous first off <laughs> Um, but even in the press box, at the at the next game after that first one with the the empty stadium photo, yeah. everyone was like, "We're gonna let you handle that one." We'll take. We're all watching the Twitter stream as we're sitting up there. I usually have two screens going, one for Twitter and one for my notes. And that started up again, and everyone was like, "That's you. Let's let's go." Okay. You go after him, we'll, we'll deal with the other stuff. That, that's all
0: you. <laughs> and for those who didn't see it, basically what Meg Ryan did, as a very normal thing to do, was took a picture of the stadium mm-hmm. before actual kickoff, because by the time kickoff is happening, she's actually covering she's, the game. Right. So she took a picture, whatever, 30 minutes, 15 minutes uh, before yeah. kickoff, and so the stadium wasn't full yet, and then when she yeah. announced kickoff with that photo, people were like, that doesn't look so like kickoff, it looks empty, oh, attendance must be low. And she basically had to say, How about everyone chill? I took the picture 15 minutes yep. ago because I'm doing I'm my busy job. Right now. <laughs> it was fantastic. She yep. basically had to send, it seemed like 10 or 20 tweets oh, of yeah. that same thing. Yep. And it was fantastic. Yep. So you came in covering the team this year, but had you kind of been following the team before? So had you kind of already had a background, or did you have to kind of ramp up into. Like, when you, when you officially said, okay, I'm going to write about the team, did you feel like you needed to, like, try and read more about people or try and, like, watch a the yeah. highlights or something? Yep. Or what did yep. you do to try and, like, jump into that, going from a fan to kind of like a, a reporter, blogger type situation?
1: Um, well, I've been following them closely since the rebrand to mm-hmm. Minnesota United, not so much with the Stars or the Thunder. Um, I've been season-taken holder for four years. So I was watching... You know those last two years at NSC, and and reading into it a little bit more. Just before, by then, we knew we were making the jump to MLS. So reading into each each the, of the each of like the four details. or five <laughs> announcements of going to MLS. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was you know kind of study up on that a little bit the last few years anyway. But you know I I just enjoyed following the team. I I would watch highlights. I'd pull up an article every once in a while. Hey, I was thinking about that. When I was watching the game, let's see what they had to say about that. Um, but definitely writing about them is totally different thing. So, yeah. so I definitely went back. I've I've never paid a whole lot of attention to stats, right. other than like was, games played, games soccer, started. Soccer, like soccer,
0: it's really hard too because I don't think it it's is. a fully developed world yet. It's really As opposed not. to like the NBA, where there's like whole like statistical models that people yeah. use for everyday breakdowns. Exactly. But in soccer, it's, Really hard. There's not no much isolated is. action. No. You have to be really, really hardcore to get into
1: it. I've been spending a lot of time on MLS Match Center. More time in the last two weeks than I have been since MLS Match Center started. Um, so it's it's definitely difficult. And the, and the stats that I like to look at, they just don't record yet. Mm-hmm. Or you know things like disallowed goals, mm-hmm. things like that. You know things stats that would put everything into perspective. Yeah, aren't recorded. Right. So it's they have basic. They probably
0: have basic stuff like what, like passing completion, yeah. like challenges, yeah. oh, and the like like charts, shots charts angle, and shots, whatever. yeah, yeah,
1: all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. it's you know actually breaking down those stats and using right. them appropriately, right? Like to make a points or you know, right? It's so that's been definitely a learning curve. Yeah, but that's I've done. I've had the same challenge just
0: because I think. Um, especially like game-to-game stats or like global if you even look especially in maybe more at like the college level because games are so um, uneven like certain teams are really good and then certain teams are truly truly terrible and so the stats over the course of the season are really kind of a roller coaster and then you see even frankly doing like one second look at like shot on goal percentage as opposed to just like shots and goals helps so much to see like how how effective of a shooter are they like right. how, all those right. things but that's pretty basic I mean that's pretty basic but that's that's like the level I'm at too just really hard to dig in I mean I've, there's guys like David Liggins who have done like really hard core statistical breakdowns but it's it's really tough to get into that it so. is
1: <laughs> and then I feel like if I tried to get into any of that I would lose track of like the game itself and, right all right so we have all these numbers but yeah here's what the final score was so why yeah
0: yeah, how do, you, how do you balance that? Um, I've noticed that too, where if I try to do, for example, like for Gopher games, I'll live tweet the game because the games aren't always broadcast, and so I'll live tweet this way to kind of expand kind of viewership. But then I really, if I'm tweeting a lot, I also then lose track a little bit of the flow of the game, and there's things I don't pick up. And, and even, even like sitting up high and live tweeting versus sometimes being low, you know, like there's different ways to watch a game. How did you balance that? kind of once you had to start actually writing about games and not just watching games.
1: It's still learning how to balance that. Yeah. I try to live-tweet them just to have some more background on it out there. Um, And I'll typically use those tweets for my article. That's kind of... It's almost like my notes for myself, too. Um, Like, the the key important things are in those tweets. Right. Um, But it's... Yeah, it's difficult, because if you're, especially if I'm watching the away games on TV, where you're not seeing the whole field, at least in the press box, if you start writing a tweet, you can see where the game's going, you can see if maybe this tweet doesn't mean anything anymore. Delete it. Right. We're coming to something else that's going to be bigger. Right. So wait on that. At home, watching it on TV, that's impossible. So I have a tweet written, ready to go, ready to hit send, and then other team will score, and I'm like, well, well this doesn't matter delete, okay, <laughs> let's start over, yeah. well, gave up the goal, <laughs> right. okay, we made a counterattack, forget that. I quit right. reading about away games now, because right. I would spend all my time composing them, and yeah. none of them mattered anymore. Just the time times, stuff, it's just a time suck, Exactly.
0: Well, and how did you, you mentioned a little bit about how you use those tweets in your stories, like about the writing process, just in and of itself, how was that kind of getting ramped into doing kind of so much regular writing, just the actual writing itself, and that that I found was actually one of the things that I had to adjust to most was when I was writing regularly. I had to kind of get in the swing of it. What was that like for you, kind of jumping into having really regular content and finding your voice and how you wanted to talk about the team?
1: It's that's been a little difficult too. Still a learning curve. Yeah. Um, those first couple of games were. Yeah, I had all my notes ready to go. We don't, you know, most of us won't sit in the press box, submit them right away like all the other reporters are doing. Right. Uh, they'll yeah, be barricaded there's, there's in there for no, two hours afterwards. There's no, afterwards. De- there's no <laughs> deadline for right. online content. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> we try to get them out soon when everyone's still thinking about the game, and we want to get them up as soon as possible, but at the same time, our angles are a little bit different on the teams anyway. So right. I'll... I try to wait no more than two days. Give myself time to put that together. Right. Put together a, a different angle on it. Mm-hmm. If I'm rushing it, it's just going to be all analysis. Yeah. You know. Um, but we try to get within a couple days. Get those out. Yeah. And they're just short narratives. Really. Yeah. So it's not like we're doing a thousand words of. Right. Like here's what happened. Here's who did this. Right. So, right. Um, so it's you know take my time a little bit on that just to make yeah. sure that i i'm keeping with that angle yeah. and not not going against what i wanted my angle and yeah. perspective in this to be um, but mm-hmm. well and, and the i think one of the adjustments
0: too to writing about the team as opposed to just following it is kind of you kind of have to start giving Like kind of public analysis and giving your analysis on players, individual players. Did you find that to be sort of an interesting transition? To like, you really have to like when you have to like criticize a player or like criticize the team. Was that how did that feel for you the first few times when you had to do that? And and do you and do you. do you ever like interact with the players, like interview them directly, or mostly kind of watch the game and give an analysis, kind of from the box? Uh,
1: mostly watching the game and analysis. Yeah. I do go down for the post game press conference yeah. and I go in for the locker room interviews. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really asked many questions, right? Because I feel like the questions that I'm going to ask, yeah, aren't really well. Even they're going to be broader, not e- like
0: well, and even being in those in those situations must have been pretty interesting at first Yeah, you like, especially like the locker room set I yeah. mean i that would be really I mean that would seem really unique to me because yeah. especially because I you know the the writing I've done about the Gophers even when I've done stuff with United it was never like a post game locker room setting which I think comes with not only like kind of like you're in a weird like locker room space, but also right. the there's like emotional stuff with it because it's right yeah. after a game.
1: Exactly, like especially yeah. after a loss.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what what have those been like when you're actually yeah. like in the meat of it, like in the like in the stadium, in the locker? Yeah,
1: room? it's definitely it's really interesting to see that tone and that emotion after a game. Um, something we don't typically think about when we're in the stands and we leave. I mean, we we know what we feel going. Go straight to the bar afterwards and <laughs> yeah. have a couple and vent um, if it's a loss or you know celebrate if it's a win. But it's it's a completely different attitude, yeah. you know, below the stadium after a game. So uh, primarily, I you know I try to just I go down there for the emotion and for to try know, and pick up the tone, pick up and what the, the tone yeah. is afterwards, the attitude, who's thinking positively, who's just turning it around and getting ready for the next yeah. one, and who might be kind of. Yeah. Need some time to think about it. Yeah. Um, one of the first ones I did was after Mason Toy got the red card. Uh-huh. So that locker room was interesting. Um, and then they
0: held on for the win, right? Or was it a What did they do? I forget that game. I think they held they, on for the win.
1: I think they lost that one. Did they? Oh, uh,
0: what? Well, but clearly, my memory is very. Sharp. Uh, <laughs> but it was Yeah, it was. I mean, that was a big. Everyone deal. just
1: remembers the red card. Right. So <laughs> well, when there's, when there's
0: a lot of drama because he like got himself kicked off, so they went down yep. to ten, yep. and it was he said like his first red card in his whole career or something. But he straight yep. up elbowed a dude in the chest. Yeah, and because he was going up against the mountain every- from Costa Rica, who was he was going battling him all day.
1: Yes. And that guy likes to likes to try to irk everybody <laughs> and pull the red card, but. Yeah. Looking from any other angle, yeah, it was questionable. Yeah. he just happened to be in right <laughs> where the ref could see a perfect right. line. But uh, so you know, everyone on Twitter had their, their thoughts about yeah. him afterwards, um, and not many of them were positive. Yeah. But seeing him in the locker room afterwards, definitely a little bit distraught, and disappointed. Right. Um, and his teammates around him saying, before we interviewed him, his team gathered around him and yeah. said, hey, things are good, we're okay. Mm-hmm. That one yeah. was a win. Right. That was, yeah. yeah. Um, so they they were all like, right. we got it, don't they worry about around it, around. it's okay. Right. Um, and he, you know, seeing all of that, it's a different perspective on the team for right. sure. Um, the team dynamics kind of made everyone feel a little bit better about mm-hmm. that red card. that. This year this on been...
0: This year has been pretty interesting for post-game comments. I mean, Cal has yes. had several times where he's either said, you know, the media is not giving the team enough respect, right. or then he stood up and said, don't call it individual players. Like yep. You should talk about us as a unit. And then he also said he's been a pro for eight years, and so he can take the pressure, but then called out getting pressure on him individually. So it's, there's been some pretty intense kind of post-game it, situations. Yeah. Were those... I mean, what's it like to be there live for that and have to, like, interpret it and it's, and digest it?
1: It's a little crazy. <laughs> Definitely easier to interpret it when you're down there with them. You get right. the whole context. Right. Um, not only hearing what was recorded, but also the preparation before everyone turned on their cameras and microphones. Right. Um, so especially, you know, that one in particular when he was talking about don't pick on individual teammates, mm-hmm. we're 11 on the field, right. and I can see where on Twitter it, it was taken very negatively. Yeah. Um, but watching the whole build-up to that, mm-hmm. I can see where he was trying to say we may make individual mistakes, but this is about team performance. One person doesn't necessarily lose the game for everyone. Right. All 11 of us have to contribute. Right. One makes a mistake another might make a mistake but everyone has to come together to turn it around Right. so I can definitely
0: it was more holistic in in person because even for me when I read it it was really funny because I read it as what a player would say when they were standing up for someone else except the funny thing was for several weeks he's the one who's been criticized (laughs) so that's why it was funny for me when I was hearing it I was like wait who's he standing up for it seemed like a selfish thing but it's the type of thing people say when right. they're defending a teammate. They say like, "Hey, quit picking on whatever Coleman or Boxel. Like, right. we're we're a defensive unit. We do things together. Except except the fact him. that he was saying it after he had been criticized <laughs> was the weird part for me. I was like, wait, see, it sounds like he's like standing up for a young teammate. But and everyone was, was <laughs> standing there was kind of
1: like, um, what? Did, okay, are you hearing the same thing I'm hearing? Right. Okay, all right. <laughs>
0: it's like, bud, you're the only one getting criticized. Everyone yeah. actually has been pretty cool with everyone else. Like, Voxel's yeah. having a pretty decent year. Yeah, But even,
1: uh,
0: I mean, how do you... How do you kind of think about the, the team when you have to hear from the coach, hear about the players, and they're having kind of a down year? I mean, or I should say like a mixed bag. They're actually doing okay. They're, yeah. they're, the West is pretty terrible, so it they're is. kind of in the middle-ish still. Um, we got a little
1: lucky with that, right. thankfully. Right, right.
0: So are you, I mean, do, do you take like wins and losses? Is it harder to write about the team? Is it like easier when it's positive, you know, everyone's positive and harder when it's negative? Or is it kind of, it's like, well team isn't exactly like flying high either way you know is it kind of the same either way Uh,
1: it's pretty similar I try to find the positive aspect Mm -hmm. on the losses um, especially because so many people are just picking out one or two people to criticize yeah so looking at you know the whole team dynamic there have been even if there's a couple of individual mistakes there's usually either before or after that some huge group dynamic Mm -hmm. that is boosting them Mm -hmm. so you know, I try to focus on that a little bit. It is definitely more fun to write about it when they win. <laughs> um, the locker room is a little more exciting. Yeah. The post-match press conference with Heath a little more exciting. Yeah. Uh, but, and just from trying to write from the fan perspective, mm-hmm. that definitely needs a win as well, yeah. typically. Uh, so I, I feel like my angle on each game changes a little bit depending on if mm-hmm. it's a loss or a win. Yeah. Or a draw. Mm-hmm. Um so, Sporting Kansas City was this last draw was one of the easiest ones to write because it could have gone so many different ways, and instead <laughs> we went straight down the middle. So I was yeah. like, "All right, this one won't be too bad." Let's, yeah, let kind of pull it all together. Right. Um. But yeah, it's it's a little <laughs> difficult. E-
0: easier when it's a win. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, and so if there are if there are people who haven't read your stuff yet, or if they're mm-hmm. wondering how they can support, you know, kind of. MLS female, what should they do? Just follow follow the account, retweet the stuff. Yes, yeah, follow us on
1: Twitter. Uh, we'll each post our own articles and can boost everyone else's. And we occasionally have you know some behind the scenes stuff on there as well. Um, so side stories from the team, things like that. Just some of the some angles that you don't see elsewhere. Following like ESPN or soccer, Soccer.
0: Yeah, things yeah. Like that. So and we'll put your. Twitter handle and like the description of the episode and all that stuff. But if they want to follow you on Twitter, how would they find you? What's your handle? It's at
1: bc mcdowell.
0: All right, yeah. you're gonna have a flood of new followers. I'm sure. Perfect. All of the moms from the Gopher soccer team will not follow you. They're like my, they're my core they're audience. The players' like parents from the Gophers team, and then my immediate family members. <laughs> and then some other people who accidentally found my site. That's my that's my core <laughs> readership of, like, 35 I, people. I did
1: see half your family's contributing to Patreon.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of pressure on the other people now. A lot of pressure on the remaining family members. I bet. If, if only my dad were on Twitter to shame my sister into donating or whatever would happen. Well, thanks so much, Bridget. This is no fantastic. Problem, thank I, you. Love, I love reading your stuff about Minnesota United. Um, follow Bridget on Twitter. Follow MLS Female. They're doing a great job. And thanks so much. Thank you.